the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Gutierrez here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, as always, my buddy, my coach, my pal, the man, the plan, the one and only, John Malika. John, what's going on, bro? How are you feeling today? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I'm officially over the Jets loss uh, versus Cincinnati. I, I, I've sweated all out the toxins. Um, I've officially moved on to the Pittsburgh game. We got the Yankee stuff and real hot action right now with the Aaron Judge stuff. Trying to win this division right here and celebrate. Selfishly hoping everything is postponed until this weekend because I'm going to be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But just being very, very selfish about that. And here we are, man. The Knicks, I mean, the the Rangers preseason started yesterday. Today they're playing as well. And the Knicks training camp, man. We went through content day. And now training camp is here. We got D Rose in the in the knit koofy. We got D Rose without a shirt on. Man's We're, feeling himself. <laughs> analyzing Tibbs face. Like I am so I'm so ready to be back, man. I'm hyped. And honestly, we have a we have a great guest to start to number one. If you if you listen to the last episode, walk us off that ledge uh from <laughs> from that last Jet Cincinnati game and kind of see what's happening showing up in Pittsburgh. And to kind of get us hype, man, because the hype man himself is here to tell us what he likes about this Knicks offseason. And, and honestly, I, I'm I'm ready to see if he thinks we're going to make the playoffs because I know I know you don't. So I, I I'm ready to I'm ready to see what our what our guest has on the table for us. Let's go. We got none other than Richie Malora, aka Jets Media, aka Knicks Media, aka Mets Media. All the media's out there. We got him on here today to discuss the New York Knicks. Look, we also got him on here because RJ Barrett got extended, man. And why not get the number one RJ Barrett fan out there in Knicks Nation on this pod? <laughs> what up, Richie? How are you doing, man? How are you feeling? What is good, boys? It's always a pleasure to hop on this podcast with you guys. The Knicks, Jets, etc. You kidding me? Absolutely love it. We're gonna be talking Knicks. We're gonna be talking Jets. Always a pleasure talking some ball with you guys. Awesome, man. And we got you in your Clark Kent uh face today. Got you with the glasses. <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> so John's not alone on here. <laughs> Finally. I'm checking the it's the blue light glasses. There's a, there's a light in my face. So Ooh, like it's protecting nice. my eyes so I can see in 10 years. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, Richie, let's let's kick it let's kick it off, man. Let's kick it off. You know, we had uh the whole RJ Barrett and Donovan Mitchell trade rumors. We had him now get extended. How are you feel after all that, man? Since you are the number one RJ Barrett fan out there. Oh yeah, my and, gosh. And, and- <laughs> also, I want what's your what's your take on him being mentioned in in the trade rumors too? Like right before oh this, you know, there was there was a deep plunge right before this, you know, straight high for signing yeah. on the extension. So walk us through that real quick. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you guys watched my channel, I was covering that Donovan Mitchell trade situation throughout the entirety of it, and from the beginning, I always said you trade for Donovan Mitchell to pair him up with R.J. Barrett. You do not trade him away 
you do not trade RJ Barrett away. And that was my stance on it. And that's what it seemed like it was happening at first. You know, we heard that RJ Barrett's untouchable and we're going all in for Donovan Mitchell. And that was all I wanted Donovan Mitchell. If you guys that watch my channel, you know, I wanted him more than anybody else. But then all of a sudden, fast forward a month and a half, we find out that RJ's name is being brought up and there's people in the front office that are open to that. And that's where I was like, okay, we are not giving up RJ Barrett right now, especially with what else they want on top of RJ Barrett. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, I'll be lying to you guys. It, uh, if I was, you know, seeing that RJ Barrett was offered with the packages, like uh, other players, like the picks and quickly and whoever else was uh, included, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, okay, but at least we extended him. At least uh, that's done with RJ Barrett's here long-term. I love Donovan Mitchell. I feel like he's going to do great things in Cleveland and he definitely would have helped out this team a lot. But based on what Danny Ainge wanted from us, it's just ridiculous. I don't blame the Knicks for just holding Pat and just uh, staying with what they have because I really feel like they have a young and exciting team here with Jalen Brunson as well. For sure, man, for sure. How do you feel about this front office that they even included RJ Barrett? You, you, you still okay with them? You still like them? Or mm. you are, you are, you're, you're in between? <laughs> What's your, what's your whole thoughts on this front office right now? Listen, man, I really had positive outlook of Leon Rose, and then it's slowly and slowly like just becoming just the same old Knicks in another way. Um, unfortunately, I, I'm very positive with my you know perspective of these teams, but at, at the end of the day, it, it comes to where you're trying to trade away your entire team for Donovan Mitchell. And what was the vision there? Like, why are you giving up on a player who's done everything he could possibly can from drafting him from Duke university as that third overall pick shows you what a New York Knicks should be the franchise player, you know, on and off the court. I mean, you, I can go off on how <laughs> amazing RJ Barrett has been for this franchise. And I understand there's so much room for him to grow and he's not a perfect player and he's not an all-star yet. And he's not, you know, the bona fide star yet. And some Knicks fans don't see that in him, which I don't understand. We'll see that. We'll talk about that later on, I'm sure. <laughs> but it, it definitely, to answer your question, Alex, hearing that the Knicks were open to trading RJ Barrett and they were all in on that, it definitely made me have a different perspective of this front office. And especially hearing Leon Rose talk to like Alan Hahn and like the way he speaks. So I'm like, okay, bro, like we never get to hear from you. It, it frustrates me. It rubs me the wrong way that he has no say with the media. I know John gets to see him because he's like behind the scenes with his season tickets and gets to go, go into these media things. That's close <laughs> to just Nick's like, like hierarchy, but I me as a fan, I want to see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear from Leon Rose. I want to hear him talk to the media because they would actually have good questions to ask. And like, he needs to talk to the fans more. I know that he looked at the camera and he's, like, Oh, this is where the camera is. And he's talking to us and I'm like, okay, I mean, I, I trust what we have. I trust the young players, but you know, the fact that he was trying to give up on RJ Barrett, I look at him a little differently. Was that, was that Alan on interview? Not enough for you. I mean, it, it was good. I love Alan Hahn. Alan Hahn's a, he represents the Knicks so well. His insight, I mean, on MSG, he's great. And that interview was awesome. You know, it was definitely getting a good idea of where Leon Rose heads at. Um, but it just, it's crazy that he's MIA and it's like he has no say with the fans. And um, that always rubbed me the wrong way. It's not the biggest deal in the world. Like, just win games. <laughs> like, I don't care. But they, they don't exactly. Win games. It, that, yeah. That, that's the whole thing. In my opinion, I, we're just finding something to be mad at. Because yeah. the Knicks stink. <laughs> and <laughs> we have to, at some point, stop screaming about the players. And then we have to start blaming somebody else. Because at the end of the day, we like the players. That's pretty much the only thing we ever like about the New York Knicks. For the last 25, 30 years, right? We could be mad at the coaches. We're mad at the front office. We're mad at the owner. But we always love the players. So I, I just feel like that's the trend. And 
when the players do bad or when you disrespect one of our players or that we feel you disrespected one of our players that we like or adore like RJ Barrett, the guy who's, you know, screaming that he only wants to go to the Knicks while he was wearing the Duke uniform, which nobody ever does. So uh, I understand that. I don't know if I'm on board with being upset with Leon. I mean, we're about to get into it this whole content day. The Knicks just clearly have a mandate that we always knew about. I think they're pushing it a little bit, you know. They're further. pushing it to another level. It's really gotten yeah. to another level. <laughs> yeah, and they just they're doing the bare minimum, which is fine. Like for me, I don't think this is winning or losing basketball games. I don't think this is a detriment. I don't think the players are looking at it and they're upset. I don't think it bothers them in the least, but probably happy about it. Like, yo, you know, the Knicks got my back. I don't have to talk to these guys. You know, they're going to protect <laughs> me from, you know, all these headlines when they can. I, I only think it bothers the reporters. And then the reporters are instilling that, that it's, you know, this terrible bad thing to the fans. So the fans are like, yeah, this is terrible. This is bad. This is why we're losing. It is the bad culture. So for me, I'm not buying it. Alex, yeah. what do you think? Look, I would like, I'm in, I'm in between of it because I'm, <sighs> I would like it's it's fine if everything's like all oh, hunky dory as you point out. If the Knicks are winning, who gives a shit? Like no one really cares if, if Leon Rose speaks to the media or not. But also, when you're not winning, you gotta do at least something a little bit extra. You gotta work that PR. You know, even Mark Cuban does it when they're not losing. He does it obviously when they're winning. You just gotta be on top of it, man. You got you gotta show some face, especially. And look, we all know they're gonna ask all the questions that Alan Hahn asked, right? And Leon Rose is going to have his scripted answers. Exactly. The thing, but the thing is, nothing. The one thing is that they could always ask a follow up question, right? And Alan Hahn didn't necessarily push on a lot of questions to do a follow up question. He kind of like left it as it is and they just kept the whole segment going for the next 20, 30 minutes, however long that, that video, uh, or interview was. So that's the only thing I would say is like, if you have someone like Begley in there, you know, before Berman retired, shout out to Berman for retiring, man. You know, if you have Berman, you know, come on, the, the guy, Berman. the guy, we're talking about the, the reporter who went down to Dallas to interview Christos Porzingis and Mark Cuban right there. And, and those guys are like, wait, why is he here? Like, at least get some <laughs> no other questions gone. in there. That's, no that's the only thing gone, I would say. Bro. Because he's Connor Hughes and he, he's going <laughs> to be back with it, with, with, with another New York media. And he's going to cover both the Knicks and the Nets. You'll see. Oh, man. I, I do know, want to give Leon Rose some credit, though, you know, yeah. outside of this whole conversation about the media. Like, I'm very optimistic about his vision with this team because I feel like he's the first, you know, Knicks president that has a long term vision with this franchise. And I feel like previous regimes had a very short term fix of just buying yeah. players and just trying to save their jobs. They know, like, Dolan's breathing down their neck, like, OK, I, I got to make a move. I'm just going to give Tim Hardaway Jr. four years and a max contract because I have to. You know, it doesn't feel like that. They have a, a sense of patience that I really respect. And um, I feel like, you know, to build a long-term so, uh, winner in New York, which is what we all want. I know Knicks fans want instant success, instant success. But the the fact that they're trading back in the draft and they're building assets and they have so much ammunition for this future, you know, we can't really judge this front office yet until we get to see where these assets go. And that's the biggest props I can give. I've been defending Leon Rose because of the assets that he's been acquiring. Um, so, and, and honestly, the media situation, the more I think about it, because – 
the Jets don't have that mandate, for example, and I hate the media talking to the Jets because I feel like New York media is a big reason why no one survives here. So it kind of makes me a little refreshed that uh, the players don't have to talk to these polarizing media members anymore as much. Um, but my, my old take about Leon Rose, just sometimes like what Alex said, when we're losing, I do like to hear like where, where your head is at. Like what, what's your vision here? Like pull out a statement or something, which he's done here and there. But I feel like this year he's going to be more vocal. Yeah, for sure. And then to, to add on top of that, like it's very difficult just to evaluate our front office as we're going through it. Like we can re- evaluate what Phil Jackson did. We can evaluate what Steve Mills and Scott Perry did because those tenures are over. We're still in the middle of the tenure. I'd give it like a B minus right now. If I was going to be honest about this front office, like I have my gripes, but I also understand that they've done good things too. But moving, th- moving along, man, John talked about it. Content day. We had content day, not media day, content day. I don't know if this is slight to the media. I don't know this is like to Richie. Come on, man. It was Nick's media. It was his day. His time to shine. <laughs> I used to love that star guy. Come on now. <laughs> but let's talk about it, man. There was a couple guys that we, we got to see behind the scenes of, of what they do, all the photos and whatnot. Eh, not eh, okay. <laughs> Shout out to Monica <laughs> McNutt for, for doing a great job as always. Um, questions I want to get through though. Let's start off with Brunson. Let's start with our new point guard. Um, you know, he seems he keeps reiterating he's not the savior. He, you know, Mentioned that it wasn't tampering. He was upset that his free agency decision got leaked to the media. What? what let's let's just start there. What, let's start with uh, let's start with the tampering. I don't think it's tampering at all. I think it's very difficult to say it was tampering because he got his pops here, all the connections. We all know throughout the league, there's there's deals being done behind the scenes too. Not everyone's playing by the rules. I don't think there's any tampering. Do you guys think there's tampering? I think this is just easy yes or no question. I mean, the NBA is going to investigate and we've seen in previous years with like the Bulls, I believe, or whoever. And listen, it, it just was so simple. Like, like you said, Alex, there's so many ties that, that brought Brunson to New York. So I guess that's why they're investigating. I don't think there's tampering and I hope that we don't get flagged with it because I don't want to lose any picks. <laughs> yeah. Same. I don't think so. I don't think it will be, but same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all we got. It's pretty much the same, but even if it's going to be at worst, you know, a worst case, a second round pick. It'll be fine. All right. Fine so, then, so then Brunson also mentioned he's not the savior. And we kept, we keep hearing that he's not the savior. We have Leon Rose saying it. We have everyone saying he's not the savior. I agree. Do you think this is just like trying to put Knicks fans all in check? Like just because we signed this guy to a reasonable contract that is just grand because of just, that's just how the NBA is now. He's not going to be the savior. He's going to be a good point guard. He's going to steer the ship. Keep focus of that. Is that what they're doing? Are, they, are we just trying to downplay it? We're going to be better than that. Is this like, how do we all feel about the, the constant push of he's not the savior? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Listen, I I don't think he is a savior. I mean, under-promise, over-deliver is the name of the game. Facts. (laughs) That's Yeah, I love that. And the fact that Jalen Brunson is saying that is really just reminding us that he's part of the solution here. He's not the solution. Like, everything needs to click. This is a team game. 
RJ needs to take that step. Randall needs to get back to his ways of being that most improved player that we all fell in love with that season. Mitchell Robinson. I mean, I can go on on the whole roster here, but Jalen Brunson came here to be that veteran, not even vet. I mean, he's a veteran, but like he's in year number five. He's in the prime of his career, 25 years old, like one of the best Knicks point guards we've seen come to the Knicks in so long. So I feel like he's going to be that glue. He's going to be poised. And I love what RJ had to say, talking about Brunson in in his interview, saying that he brings a sense of like uh, poise and he's a winner. And that I feel like that's that type of guy you really want in your locker room to not be the savior of the team, but be part of the solution. All right. And now let's get it. Let's get into RJ because I feel like the Brunson interview was just kind of like cut and dry. You know, we're not that much, but RJ, new contract. I thought he answered the question on how he felt about being in trade rumors very well um, and then getting extended. You know, he talked about uh, how he wants to add to his game, working on his free throws. Richie, how are you feeling about RJ this season? What's the expectations for RJ uh, year four? What do we got? RJ Barrett said that we're going to shock the world this year. And he also said that everybody on this team has something to prove. And then he made sure that he said, and so do I, because he hears everybody and all the naysayers. He gets paid and guess what people say? Too much money, overpay, this, this, and that. I think us Knicks fans are excited about that contract. But I was talking about the national media talking about that extension. Listen, man, RJ Barrett is going to have a season this year that Knicks fans are going to fall in love with. And the reason is, Last, it's all about RJ Barrett starting off strong. Cause I think last year, I think we forget that RJ Barrett started off the year really slow and not was, was not playing consistent basketball. And then all of a sudden January 1st comes around 2022. And then he turns into an all-star for the rest of the year. If you look at his numbers, he was averaging well over 23 points per game. And there's still a lot of things he needs to work on. And I love to hear that he's working on his finishing, working on his free throws, you know, understanding the mental aspect of the game. You know, his efficiency needs to rise and his playmaking needs to rise as well. And I think RJ Barrett is going to establish himself. And I would not be shocked if he's in there in the all-star conversation, if he starts off the season the way he played the majority of the season last year. I feel like that's the thing, though, is that he always starts off the year slow. slow. Yeah, Whether it was that's like a big. rookie, sophomore, junior. Now he's like, we're get, we're now f- year four, senior, from <laughs> here on out. And it really just can't be the slow start. Like, I get like trying to get your footing, but I guess the question is, is he going? Because here's the other issue, is that he hasn't been pegged as a number one option or even a, as a number two option for for quite some time, Right. And when he became that number one option last season, we saw what he could do once the ball was in his hands. Where are we seeing RJ in this offense? What do you, what are you the expectation for him? Because we still got Julius Randle. We're going to get to him and what he said during media day too. Do you think that, uh, we're going to see RJ as the first, second? What are the expectations? Because we also got Brunson here. We're talking about Randle, RJ, who are both in the ni- in the 90th percentile, over the 90th percentile when it comes to usage. Brunson, when he, he was on Dallas with Luca, he was over the 75th percentile, the 75th or higher. And you know, if Evan Fournier is in this starting, which is a whole other thing I got to get, get, get my take on later. If Evan Fournier is in this freaking starting lineup, I'm going to blow a freaking gasket. <laughs> but that's another story. If you got all four of those guys, I, I like we saw a corner RJ last season. Where is RJ Barrett in the totem pole on this? Richie, your thoughts? I think one. it's going to be balanced between first and second option on this team because the Knicks gave him that opportunity to be the number one option last year. And at the time that we were talking about in January and on, you know, Randall kind of took a back seat. Randall, um, you know, 
accepted RJ and I respect Randall for that to be that number one option for that team last year. And, it, you know, RJ learned a lot from that. You know, it wasn't perfect. He was definitely inefficient. He was throwing up a lot of shots. And I understand that. But that experience that RJ Barrett had of being the number one guy on a team and being the ball handler and handling the pick and roll and, you know, understanding where the ball needs to go, bringing the ball up, just being a point guard in a way. I feel like that's going to help RJ Barrett's development even more. And that's going to put trust in head coach Tom Thibodeau to allow RJ Barrett to run the show at times. I don't think it's going to be the RJ Barrett show. I think it's going to be a really good balance of Jalen Brunson, even Julius Randle. I think it's going to be, those are the, those are the big three. And we saw the Knicks content the, uh, of those three guys, you know, the new big three here uh, for the New York Knicks. But to answer your question, I think it's going to be, you know, not RJ as the number one guy or even Brunson as a number one guy or even Randle. I don't think that's what this team is going to be about. I think it's going to be a, a, a whole balance. And whatever player is really hot on that night, maybe we'll, we'll take over. I do want to see Randall, though, kind of take a back seat in the playmaking wise and allow Brunson and RJ to do more of that because I like Randall a lot off the ball. For sure. John, what are your thoughts, man? Where do you think this team's going? So in a way, I do think that Brunson is a savior, but not in the way <laughs> that Donovan Mitchell was going to be the savior, but kind of for the reasons that Richie just mentioned, that now everybody has an actual role on this team. And it's because we have a point guard. And that, like that's why he's a savior, man. We have an actual starting point guard on the New York Knicks. And you saw what happened when we gave RJ the keys last year, right? We, we gave it to Randall. It worked out for a season. Didn't work out coming back next year. So we gave it to RJ. We saw how that worked out. Kind of inefficient. Turned into a lot of losses. He needs a point guard. We need somebody to, to facilitate so that Nobody has to take that Superman role so that Randall can get his touches. RJ can get his touches. Even if Fournier is there, man, uh, I know, you know, from, from the jump that, that makes my blood want to boil, right? How can you start Fournier? Well, listen, if Brunson is in there and he's facilitating the way I think he is, Fournier is going to be wide open. And if Fournier is open for three pointers, and he was setting the, he set the New York Knicks record last year, beating John Starks with three pointers. And we sucked. Imagine if we're actually good at basketball. Like, you know, he's, he's going to get more three pointers. He's going to hit more. And maybe it's kind of nice to have somebody who plays defense coming off the bench because I don't know what D Rose and IQ are really bringing to the table in terms of defense. So maybe it is going to be nice to throw a Grimes in there. The only thing it kind of sucks for is the Cam Reddish fans because there's literally going to be no room for him. But that's, for me, really neither here nor there when it comes to wins and losses for this team. R.J. Barrett, he's in a perfect spot. He got his extension. He doesn't have to worry about that. Now he feels the fan pressure. He's going to get whatever Jalen Brunson gets him, and I think he's our savior in terms of facilitating the team and kind of being that guy that you could bounce off of and he's a champion. Like the guy wins championships no matter where he is, you know, in his career. So I, I think he's great for the, for the New York Knicks, to be honest with you. And I think we're going to be great because we're going to play actual team basketball because people like him, man, it's infectious. Yeah. Look, I, I, I hear, I agree with like the Jalen Brunson, like being a savior in that way. Um, I agree with Richie. I think we're going to see a good, another weave from RJ this season. Just needs to come out hot, as we just said. Uh, I also think it's going to be a bounce attack. I think we're going to see finally. That's finally, a, that's, a, yeah. that's a hot take, though. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that sounds like status quo. But for the New York Knicks, that's a hot take. Like yeah. we're going to be a balanced offense since when, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that, 
It's like, about damn time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Othello Harrington's on uh, back in assistant coach. We got Rick Brunson back. That's what that's what we needed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was not that. It was either the Kemba show, the Fournier show, the Randall show, uh, the RJ show. Oh my it was ne- there's no balance to it, and it comes back to not having a point guard, and you know, Kemba just couldn't do that. Brunson, I think, will do that, and I think Brunson's ability to play off ball will be instrumental when you allow Randall and RJ because they're going to initiate the offense times too, just to switch it up. You're going to need you're going to need that to throw defenses off, so it'll be good. But predominantly, it should be, and it sounds like it will be. Uh, Jalen Brunson, because when we listen to Julius Randle talk during, uh, you know, his presser, he's happy to have Derrick Rose back, right? And he's this happy to have Jalen Brunson. And it sounds like those are the two guys he respects to handle the rock. And I'm expecting that one too. And I'm also curious to see what type of Randle we're going to get. Cause it was frustrating watching Randle last season. We all know what he, the, the fan relationship. We all know he was dogging it on some plays. What do you guys think? Because we heard Derek Rose talk about accountability, and we hear Randall talking about uh, what he learned from last season, right? And Tibbs' whole thing is that if you don't win, you learn. So what do you guys believe Randall learned from last season, and what are you expecting from, from Randall? Rich, I'll start off with you. Yeah, I think um, Julius Randall has a really big opportunity here to win back this fan base uh, if he just accepts his role and allows Jalen Brunson to be Jalen Brunson and not be – the number one playmaking guy that worked for a season. But at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that Randall's not a traditional point forward. I love Julius Randall in the low post. I love him being able to shoot the ball. He, he's shown that he can shoot. He can stretch the floor. But when you put the ball in Randall's hands to be the guy, you know, that you're asking a lot from him. And I feel like he was mentally checked out last year where he felt like he had to replicate that most improved player of the year, that all-star. And he wanted to take a step above that. And his mind was working too fast. And I feel like now he has that year of experience. He understands what's at stake. He has a really good understanding of the city of New York and the fans because he went from, you know, the first season with the Knicks didn't go as good. And Knicks fans were like, okay, Randall, we got Obi Toppin. I was a rookie. Randall's going to be kind of, you know, and he's not the future. And then Randall has that season. We all fall in love with Randall and Randall feels like he won the fan base back. He's on top of the mountain. And then he has another season. You're number three, I believe, with the Knicks. Then he's all the way downhill, and now he's back like trying to prove the Knicks fan base uh, all over again. So I feel like Randall has a good understanding of his role in the city, and I feel like his role on the court, which is more important, obviously, is going to be about that balance like we were talking about, allowing Brunson to do his role and still you know, getting dirty in the post, like scoring points, because I feel like Julius Randall, a lot of Knicks fans underestimate him. They feel like he's just some type of bum and some type of bad basketball player. Like This guy's a very good basketball player. Dude, like people think that John Collins is better than Julius Randle is actually is, is driving me insane. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. He's a really good power forward. If if he went to, I would say, about twenty teams in the NBA, they would jump significantly in their standings. To be like uh, from the top down, like if he went to even one of the bad teams, I think he would propel them. And obviously, if he went to one of the good teams, he would take them over the top. I I think the I think the Julius Randle's lander, honestly, it it starts with the Knicks fans, to be honest with you. It, it starts with us, and that's where it comes from. Uh, I, I think we we tanked his value for him because we made him play worse, whether we want to believe it or not. If you can't feel the tension in the garden, you're a straight-up liar. Like, it was yeah, hard were, oh, for were, the New York Knicks to play. That Timberwolves, that Timberwolves game, even though they were in it towards the end, it was 
tense. You just forget, felt it. Forget that. Forget that, Alex. It starts, mm. with, it starts with the Hawks, dude. Like once, once Trey Young, like hit, hit that buzzer beater. We came back. We won game two. And then like we were, we sucked after that. Like you could feel the tension in the garden. Like there's no way we could win a basketball game like that. When, when we miss, it's so deflating. And then that kind of carried on with Randall throughout the entire season. Anytime Randall would do anything, it was just so deflating. We were booing him, asking for Obi Toppin. Like it's just so weird, man. I, I feel like, I feel like that's a big reason for the Randall slander is because of Obi Toppin being yes. on like off the bench. And we see 10 minutes of Obi. He scores like eight points. And we're like, Oh my God, like Obi. I feel like if we didn't have Obi Toppin, for example, and say we had a crappy backup power forward, I don't know if Randall has this much slander. I feel like a lot of it has to do with us Knicks fans wanting Obi Toppin to get minutes, which is rightfully so because we saw when Randall gets injured last year, Obi Toppin finally gets to start and play meaningful minutes. He looks like an absolute beast so i feel like that is also uh, something to uh, consider in terms of like the randall slander is because facts. of what we stop him. that's facts richie and also on top of that like w- like let's just keep it a buck randall didn't perform well he had the numbers he was inefficient yeah he was dogging it on defense what's always was RJ. Lot, there, we were nice to him it's different because you can't, <laughs> okay. rj rj's been uh, rj go rj's like stocks right it goes up down up down and you're going up randall legitimately Got the highest it was being second team All NBA, most improved, All Star, and then contract. it just contract extension. Then you just <laughs> yeah. dropped. It was a legitimate drop. It wasn't a dip. It was a drop. And, and so he hasn't he, yet. And he, it, <laughs> yeah, it's so like well, hasn't like, came back up. Yeah, yeah, he has a plateau. Like, yeah, he's still dropping. <laughs> That's the thing is that this is why he deserves. This is why it's not comparable. Like, yes, RJ was inefficient. Randall was inefficient from like what we saw. He didn't have to do replicate what he had last season, but there had to been playing better defense, being more of a team player, being like just understanding. He went back to doing the dumb shit that we saw his first year with the Knicks, which is trying to back somebody down from the three point line into the post. (laughs) Makes absolutely no sense. He didn't spin spin move though. He didn't spin, but it still doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Spin into the double. (laughs) Yeah, you stop that. So so like when you see that. After the season that he had, and it was just like a major leap. That's, I think that's the irritating point to add on top of to the OB top where it's like, Obi's getting 10 minutes. We're seeing some efficient play from Obi. It's like those two things to Richie's point. If we had someone like, I don't know, uh, I can't even throw any, any power forward name out there. Um, we wouldn't probably be getting this. We'd just be frustrated with Randall and looking for another solution. I agree. The, listen, the backup quarterback. Is the most popular player on the team. All right, relax. Not necessarily. This is not, this is not no backup quarterback situation. This is not the Mike White. Team. It is. It is. It <laughs> is. It, Obi Toppin. And honestly, Joe it's the Flacco? same. With, it, it might be the same. It's with not even Joe <laughs> It might be the same. Well, listen, everybody wants. Well, listen, at the stadium, we'll get into this Jet segment a little bit where everyone was screaming about Mike White. Mike White. Mike White. What the hell is he <laughs> yeah. going to do? I don't, I don't know. Well, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> just going back to the Knicks. Uh, I, this might be the situation with Grimes and Fournier. You know, what I mean, we're all screaming that we want Grimes, and he's kind of he's the backup shooting guard here, and we all, we all think he's gonna be amazing, dude. He's in the summer league. Like, I love Grimes more than anyone. Alex, you know that from the second he stepped foot on the New York Knicks court, I said I love this kid. I love Grimes. He reminds me of Allen Houston from the second he stepped onto this court. I think he's honestly a better defender. I think he's great. Am I gonna freak out? Fire Tibbs. This, this oh, no. next team is incompetent because the summer league kid is going to come off the bench and like not for Evan Fournier who 
went to the championship with France. Like, I, like, like you were talking about, you know, the fan base a little bit with Randall. I just think we're so volatile, man. It's so crazy. I, I want to know your guys' opinions about this Fournier and Grimes situation. I know we want Grimes. Like, Alex, I'll start with you, man, because I know you are so upset about it. I, I'm not sure how, how Richie feels yet, but I know that you were really upset about the prospect of Grimes not starting. And ch- you know, you can definitely see that Knicks fan TV. You know, uh, shout out to CP though. He had that the whole time. He's been saying Fournier and you've been, you've been fighting him on that the whole, the whole time. So what's your, what's your, what's your thought here? <laughs> he, I mean, to quote what CP's been saying, he says Fournier is going to start the season at some point. Grimes will somehow, will somewhat usurp. And even Ian Begley comes out there saying, don't think of it as like a close competition where Fournier is going to get it. Things could change. Even, even Begley reports seeing Grimes being in the starting rotation. My thing is this. It's not that I look at the, I, we saw last season what it was like with Kemba and Fournier as a backcourt. It was, Yikes. it was terrible defensively. <laughs> Jalen Brunson is a better <laughs> defender than Kemba Walker by far, but that he's, in my opinion, an average defender. Having an average defender with a below average defender ain't going to help, especially for a coach that loves defense. For Grimes, I'm not saying he's going to come in here, be like the next savior, the next all-star. But he offers defense. He's an off-ball shooter. You're talking about three guys who are going to need to dominate the basketball with RJ, Randall, and uh, and Brunson. Fournier, he gets going by being on ball. So why not have that off the bench where you can you can take a little bit of that defensive? You could you could be a little less uh, aggressive on defense, I could say. Like I guess for lack of a better word, because. Usually your second units aren't that great of a score scoring unit to begin with. That's where the Knicks are like. Are How less aggressive can we get the D Rose, IQ, uh, Obi Toppin? But there's like, a good <laughs> defender, man. Don't not quickly. Quickly's a solid okay. defender. But like we saw what Grimes can do when he got into that Bucks game. We saw every time he got into the rotation, he's jumping the passing lanes well. He's a solid rebounder, good three point shooter, consistent. He's not he's not like Fournier with like these highs and lows. Yes, Fournier beat John Starks in the three point shooting, but it's like all right, Fournier is hitting eight out of 10 three-pointers or he's like one for nine. And it's like, dude, we can't have this on a night-to-night basis. <laughs> At least Grimes, it's like, all right, it's consistent. It's steady. He's not going to be gr- on fire every single night, but it's steady enough. And I think he could take another step. You ask for a little bit of playmaking, being off ball. That's where I see it, especially for a coach that wants defense. This is the dude that gives defense. Like, just help. That's all That's all I want. And it's it, like I look at when I my aggravation is like for Tibbs is that Let's stop sticking in like this, this stubbornness and just be flexible. There's like, there's not everything so black and white when it comes to young players. Like, oh, you have to work the way up and just get to the certain point. I want, have you guys watched the Tony Parker documentary? I, I just watched it on Netflix to see Greg Popovich put in a rookie like nine games in and we don't even know what Tony Parker is. That's just mind blowing. You'll get other teams around the league that just trust their young guys, allow them to learn from the experience on the court. That's all I'm asking for Grimes. I'm not expecting Grimes to be this caliber all-star. I'm expecting him just to be a better need and fit for what this team needs. That's all I'm asking. I agree, but the fact that you brought up Tony Parker, like, can you tell the guy who was one of the catalysts on France who just killed it, like, yo, you're going to sit on the bench for Grimes? Like, I, I don't know. Was Parker playing in France at the time? I feel like that, that always helps. So he got, dra- he, they, the, that French team won, I think, the French or the Euro championship. I feel then like that makes such in. a difference, man. Like, it's hard to tell him to sit on the bench after he's a killer. One guy played in the summer league. One guy is leading a nation to hey, the man. championship. How did you feel about know, Jose Calderon when he was on that Spanish team going all the way for gold in the Olympics? Richie. 
Richie, what do you think, man? What do you think about this whole Grimes and Fournier situation? I mean, not going to lie. I've been rooting and I've been hoping that Grimes would get the answer in, in the starting lineup. And for all the same reasons Alex brought up, it's simply the defense. I feel like that is the biggest thing that I have. Uh, I love Fournier. I feel like Fournier gets, you know, a lot of, um, you know, hate for no reason. I feel like that's another guy that Knicks fans should start appreciating because, I mean, we said it twice already on this pod, but he broke the Knicks all-time record of three-point shooting last year. It doesn't feel cool because we sucked last year and missed the playing tournament, but he did. That's pretty crazy stuff. He is a really good yeah, <laughs> that, that Boston game came the, the, the home over. He started that riot, bro. That was yes. all him. Without him, that, we wouldn't have had that. I know, seriously, man. So I, I think the 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 biggest thing that I have is a Tom Thibodeau team, and he loves defense. So why not give your year two player who seems to be ascending? Not only did he look good in the summer league, that that's cool, whatever. But in his rookie season, he showed me so much as a young player in Quentin Grimes, his on ball defense, his off ball defense, his communication, his be is. Uh, able to get into the passing lanes, his, you know, switching. He just has a really instinctual feel to his game on the defensive side of the ball. And I feel like this Knicks team desperately needs him on the court. And now I will st- start off with this, where if Fournier does start, it's not the end of the world for me because Grimes is still going to play basketball. He's going to yep. come off the bench. Just like I would love quickly to start, but there's no room for him. I would love Obi to start, but there's no room for him. And guess what? This is a great problem to have that we have all these guys on the bench that were like, start him, start him, start him. Like, exactly. that's awesome. Imagine we were like, this bench stinks. I don't want these guys on the court at all. Yeah. So like, we need 45 minutes from all of our starters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, we need to take a, like, take a step away and realize, like, okay, we have a deep team here. And not only are they deep, but they're young and exciting because all the guys that we want to get all these minutes, besides RJ, are young and coming off the bench. So, you know what? Just to finish off, Alex, I'm on board with you. Grimes over Fournier for the defensive purposes, but I also feel like Fournier deserves his respect. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I agree. I want Grimes to start too. I just don't think it's the end of the world. Like people, it, it's yeah, already I mean over either. for Tibbs. We suck. Uh, they were already mailing it in. It's tank time. <laughs> like I, I just, I just don't see it that way. And they give Fournier actually, some defensive credit. I do like his. Like I feel like he gets a steal and a half per game. I don't know what the stat is, but I feel like he has those games where he just gets in the passing lanes. I mean, his on ball defense is trash. I feel like, but yep. like he, he does have that ability to just you know force a turnover here and there, get in the passing lanes and stuff. He's got solid team defense. Uh, I'll give him I can that. Buy that. Yeah. I can buy that. Um, it gives me Cam Radish vibes. Honestly, he gets he gets his hand in the passing lane once or twice. You're like, oh, great defense. So, <laughs> you know, like I agree with you. That Cam Radish right. situation is so crazy. Like, how is he not going to get minutes? It's insanity. Absolutely <laughs> really insanity. I, I like. This is where. <laughs> I still don't get what we traded him for. I really, <laughs> yeah. I really, I'm really lost at this whole situation. I'm really lost. At whole- it better get traded before the deadline. Something's got to happen. Either you get See, that assets- trade, that trade, and I didn't really bring this up about the front office thing. But the one thing that that trade told me, and other things that I'm worried about, is the front office and the coaching staff not aligned, and that is yes. something that needs to be. That's a great point. <laughs> together, yeah, yeah. that's a great separate. point because it's one thing to say they were just upgrading. Knox to and and that first and that first round protected pick like they're just upgrading it with Cam Reddish. That's one thing, but I think that's a great point. They're clearly not aligned because you're just not a Tibbs guy. Tibbs like I'm not playing this guy. Like, yeah. I, I see him play. And I just it's not it's not gonna work. You can't out. have that. They need to be yeah, intertwined. Look, we talked about on Next Fan TV that Byron Scott uh clip where Byron Scott was look the front office wanted a situation where he, they wanted him to play. X, Y, and Z players. And he's like, no, I'm going to stick to what I'm going to do because I need to win games. You're going to fire me regardless. So I'm going to stick to whatever it is. And I get that if you know you're on the way out, but if you're 
got some protection like Tom Thibodeau does, there has to be some better communication, some better alignment for what the decision making is over here. Cause this is just, it's just wild. We don't have to go down that road, but look, I'm with you guys. Like it's not the end of the world, but I do want to see like, I, it, it just, it just screams to me. I think the concern amongst the fan base is, are we going to get a stubborn Tom Thibodeau again for, it was fine year one. It's like, we didn't have, we, we had talent, but not enough talent. We had quickly and obvious rookies. It, it's hard to say we got to rely on these guys. Fine. I can live with that. Year two, we got some more talent, right? And it's like, well, we don't have to play all these guys 38 minutes a night. We can scale back. We can allow these young guys off the bench to get some more burn. That's all I'm asking for this time. And, and the stubbornness is just kind of like, I'm like, I just feel my, the heart in my throat right now. I'm like, like are we going to go through the same path again? Like, yes, we heard through Ian Begley. SNY. Some of these guys are getting more minutes, like quickly. We're hoping for Obi to get more minutes. I just hope it's not, it's, uh, it's not a repeat of last season and Tibbs can be somewhat flexible. Tibbs but, literally cannot afford to survive. Uh, if he, if the product on the floor is what it was last year, but Richie, yeah, Randall Richie. does not need to be playing 40 minutes a game. I mean, it's that simple. Facts. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Rich. Are, uh, are the Knicks gonna, be and honestly when we, when we were talking about this uh alex and i this was before the whole celtics uh Idoka situation so we we, we kind of had the celtics on, on a pedestal here and the lonzo stuff wasn't really official so alex had some hope that lonzo was going to play so you know a couple couple of different factors here Every, everything else pretty much the same hardens in shape i guess that's an, I guess that's an extra factor <laughs> lost 100 pounds <laughs> yeah barely 100 pounds but anyway not having those strip club chicken wings helps man <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely have those so called chicken wings. Anyway, as much. <laughs> uh, um, do you think that the Knicks could hop in the, the top six? Do you think they are a playing team from seven to ten? Or do you honestly believe that we're going to be exactly where we were last year? And Brunson really wasn't that much of a difference because at the end of the day, that's all we really did. We just kind of yeah. added Brunson, kept it all status quo. So how, how, how do you? Right now, it's the first day of training camp. We're not, we're not going to hold you to the fire. <laughs> we're not going <laughs> to expose you, but we're just, we're just curious as to where your uh, level of optimism is here. Yeah. Well, first of all, anything can happen. Who would have thought the Knicks would be the fourth seed with that team? So if I'm here, I'm going to say the Knicks would be feels the like second seed. Feels like a decade seed. ago, Richie, though. Feels like a decade. It ago. does. And I, and I know it feels like a fluke right now at that point because we're looking back on that and stuff. But my point is anything can happen. Uh, but to give you a straight answer, I think this team is going to be a playing team, uh, from hopefully a home court playing team with seven and eight seed. Um, you know, if they really want to get to that top six, something crazy needs to happen in the Eastern Conference. And this Knicks team really needs to gel because I really strongly believe if this defensive system with Tom Thibodeau gets back to being top five, then they have a chance because th- that's what the system is about. I know this, the modern NBA is offense and three point shooting and spacing and all that, all that stuff. But if this Knicks team can get back to their true identity and the reason why I bring up that fourth seed, they're not that talented. We're more talented on paper now than we were back then. But the difference was they had a top unit on the defensive side of the ball. So I feel like if the Knicks can get back to their roots of playing hard nosed defense for, for all four quarters, especially in the final five minutes of the games, you know, I think the Knicks can definitely be a playing team this year. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with Jalen Brunson being here, being that floor general, because like you said, he's a winner. He was winch champion. 
championships. He's poised. He's been there. And he finally is given the opportunity to not be, you know, underneath Lucas, Lucas shadow. He gets to spread his wings here in New York. He gets to be the guy along with this young extending RJ Barrett, along with a, an all-star Julius Randle. So I feel like if everybody stays healthy and everyone sticks to the plan and Tom Thibodeau is not stubborn, but the players buy into a system because the system does work. I know that it's kind of like an old system where it's not like a, a you know, it's not like a modern spin on it. Where I hope Thibodeau can be a little more, you know, in tune with the modern day NBA because if he doesn't, then we're doomed with the stubbornness. But I really feel like this Knicks team is going to be a play-in team. Um, I, if they miss the play-in tournament again, then then that's where everything goes downhill for me because I'm not expecting them to miss the play-in. I'm definitely expecting them to be in that at least bare minimum. <laughs> I agree with that. I think they are. I- Honestly, with everything that's shaken out in the last couple, oh, like I guess within the last week or so, Knicks are in the top ten of the Eastern Conference. Like they're definitely a top ten team. They got to make the play in, as you point out, Richie. Hopefully, it's like seven eight. Um, as of right now, for me, it's Miami who's still going to be at the top. You got the Bucks. You got the Sixers. Uh, Nets with their roster. If everyone's going to be able to play, that's going to be good. Cavs. That's five teams right there for me. I still got to put the Celtics with respect, even though with all the chaos that's going in there, maybe they're like a 16 seed team. But then after that, it's a toss up. Bulls, no Lonzo. That's dropping it for me. Hawks, I don't believe in that roster, really. I think it's too top heavy, not enough depth that I, I think the Knicks would be beat out the Hawks. Uh, the only one I have questions about is the Raptors, uh, where we fit there. So if you want to say like Raptors, Knicks, seven, eight, I feel like that's how it'd shake out as of right now. I honestly agree with 100% with that. I like that. Yeah, well, I agree. That's exact. I agree. I feel like same exact way. Toronto and the Bulls take them out. Put in the Cavs and the Nets. If you want to leave the Celtics out of respect, that puts the the Knicks at seven. No problem. I think that. I think. I think that's it. I think, and the team should do that. The team was for as bad as it was. It was just some poor coaching decisions and some lackluster play by our top player that really put us under where we should have been. Look, I raise my hand. Card. I really don't think the Celtics are going to be good. Hey man, I didn't think they that last year. They, they had that turnaround. They don't have a center. They don't have a coach. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. And yeah. they, the players didn't know till yesterday. <laughs> like that's kind of tough, bro. I don't. That's a whole other podcast. I don't know if I buy that. I honestly, I'm, am so, I'm so confused about that whole situation. That's a, that's another podcast for another day. But let's let's wrap up this Nick stuff and let's move to the let's move to therapy talk because Rich is going to talk us with the ledge now for why. John and I should not be as angry, upset, and still have hope and prosper for this young team as the New York Jets. <laughs> and, and, and I, I, I want to start at the top here because we talked a lot about Leon Rose talking to the media. Joe Douglas talks to the media as much as we want. Uh, our owner tweets fun videos. He, 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 he teases uniform bids. He, he, he does stuff about Berrios. It's like not even him. Uh, yeah, of course. Of course <laughs> it's not. It's not. Of, of course it's not him. But you know what I'm saying? He's, you know... The fans are, are, are happy on all those fronts. We have play by play from every single throw in practice. We have so like, we, we ask the coach every single little thing. We have all the transparency in the world. However, Joe Douglas, I mean, I, I was screaming about it last pod because I had just come back from the game. I was so pissed off. It was a perfect time <laughs> to do a recap. Like who, who on earth did the physical for Dwayne Brown? Like, could I call him? Like, I want to have a conversation with him because we signed him. He went to IR. George Fant, he's on IR. We kind of knew it was going to happen the whole time. Ugh. Like, 
we trade we cut Idoga for no reason. Like now we have McDermott, dude. He is our starting left tackle, and we're, and we're here for scraps. Like that was your fault. Going into the draft, we had an amazing draft. I'm not going to complain about it, but everybody keeps telling me that we love the linebackers. We love the linebackers more than the fans. Like you guys don't know what you're talking about. We love our safeties more than the fans. You guys don't know what you're talking about. We have the best D line in the world. Like Hendrickson's going to suck. Carlos is amazing. Like all he did was get injured and he's an injury prone guy. Corey Davis makes horrible mistakes. CJ Uzama. We, he's the, he's our highest paid tight end. I love the guy, but he's completely unproductive. Like Tyler Conklin is way more productive than him. I'm not, I, I still like Rucker getting in there. I know he had that one target and he dropped it like a dummy, but I, I'm still excited about the prospect of Rucker. Like talk me off this ledge. First of all, with his GM. I'm, I I love Joe Douglas. I'm the number one Joe Douglas guy. But right now, I'm sitting here after week three, like really pissed off because everything that we knew was going to happen has happened. Our left tackle stinks. We have four injuries now at our left tackle that we all knew was going to happen. We have no linebacker depth. I'm glad Carl Alexander's here, but what the hell? Our safeties suck. And that's only the things that we knew. Like nothing there was a surprise. So talk me off this ledge about the GM, first of all, because you had some stuff to say about Leon and, and the Jets are transparent. I just, I don't like the transparency. Like, don't, don't tell me. <laughs> yeah. It's like the complete opposite. We get one Jets drive episodes every week. We get behind yeah. the scenes of every single answer to every single question. Um, but listen, man, I, I personally, I know there's a big top, um, uh, talking point right now on Jets Twitter, um, about the offensive tackle situation. I really cannot blame Douglas for this situation because you got three players on injured reserve list. I mean, I mean, you, you like, you're lucky if you have, two good offensive tackles in this league because not every team even has one. So the fact that everyone's upset that, um, you know, obviously we want Mekhi Becton healthy. He goes down. You get George Fant and you move him back to left tackle. You sign Dwayne Brown to replace a Mekhi Becton, which was a really good move at the time. He's coming off a pro bowl season last year, was fully healthy, was, has a full bill of health throughout his entire career. <laughs> yes. He's up there in age at 37. So the injury risk is there, but you're desperate there. And the jets are really trying to protect their quarterback in Zach Wilson. So they go out there and they invest and Joe Douglas shows how much he values this offensive tackle position and pays Dwayne Brown to come to the Jets and of course he plays a couple preseason games he's healthy throughout training camps looking good looking good and all of a sudden the week of week number one he has a shoulder injury like you can't make that stuff up and then he goes on IR and now George Fenn is not himself and he cannot block anybody and you were realizing it's because his left knee is injured and when your left knee is injured and your left tackle that's your plant leg you're not going to be able to do anything and and he had procedure over the offseason on that knee and it's just simply just not healing properly so the Jets have an issue right here at the offensive tackle spot and they just signed two guys and they're they're really desperate but I do have to give Douglas credit for Max Mitchell because Max Mitchell is a fourth round rookie and he's playing better than McKim Aquano. He's playing better than Evan Neal, two offensive tackles that Jets fans were thinking about drafting at the beginning of this, uh, of the whole draft talk. So the I fact is, that. you know, Douglas can only do so much for this offensive tackle position. The fact that there's three guys on injured reserve, I mean, you can't really point fingers at him. Obviously, we want more depth there. We, I wish that maybe they sign a veteran tackle earlier on to prevent what they're at right now. But like, there's a lot of other holes in this team that needs to be filled outside of offensive tackle. You know, safety and linebacker, we all knew throughout the entire offseason that's a big weakness. We all knew tight end was a weakness until they revamped that room. And the unfortunate reality is, guys, is this Jets team has so many holes that 
Joe Douglas has to fill when he came here and he can't fix it all in one a couple off seasons. I feel like this off season, and I know you guys want to hear this because we have a full season to go through. <laughs> it's going to be all about the safety room and the linebacker room. At least I hope, because this past year he focused on protection. He focused on, you know, playmakers. I feel like Joe Douglas is really prioritizing the playmakers, both we- uh, weapons for uh, Zach Wilson and playmakers on defense with sauce Garner and DJ Reed. So I feel like the um, Joe Douglas He's gonna. He can't fix every single position group. Obviously, he brings in Whitehead. He's not looking that good at safety. He brings in Quan Alexander, which is a big uh, piece that I feel like is very underrated. Unfortunately, Quincy Williams goes down. Um, but the linebackers and safeties we knew was a big weakness, um, and they're definitely proving it. And I feel like the linebackers um, are not playing as bad as I would as, as some people think. Um, but the past couple of weeks has definitely not been good. CJ Mosey is the captain of the defense. And if you're that, that leader that you say you are with all these rah-rah speeches in the beginning of games, and you look like the guy that's going to be the reason why this team turns around for the future and your defense goes out there and you're the captain and there's miscommunications and stuff. It's just, it falls on your shoulders and CJ. So he has to clean up a lot of things, but the, just to, to put a bow on the top about the Joe Douglas question, man. Um, I just feel like it's hard to really point fingers at him at this offensive tackle spot. And he's done his job with personnel. Cause I think the reason why Jets fans like Alex said, he's so excited about this young team. Cause guess what? There's a reason to be excited because we're talented on paper. Now it's time for the coaching staff to prove their worth because we're talented on paper. There's no doubt that we have everything we need to win some football games. Now it's up to this coaching staff to use this talent properly and win games. Because guess what guys, talent does not win football games, coaching execution, playing as one does. And I feel like that's the biggest issue so far with the jets with this inexperienced coaching staff. And I'm hoping that they can get their shit together because you know, the seat's (laughs) going to get start getting hot. Quick, sure. dude, the next five games, bro. Next five games, you, you you better hurry up and get it together. And you know, I I totally agree with you on the draft room. Joe Douglas, one of the best drafters in the NFL. I I, I am honestly obsessed with the Jets drafting. I love the NFL draft, and I, I love what they have done. But it's really the free agency, man. He has he is batting under a hundred almost uh, at this point. Maybe batting literally one hundred, but with the free agency signings. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Joe Douglas fan, but I'm going to give him slack for the free agency signings. I mean, <laughs> the, the, who was the center? Uh, Alex, oh. I always like to bring up. Was that Kalo? Oh, um, for yeah, what? Ryan Kalo? Kalo? Yeah, Ryan Kalo yeah, for yeah, $8 million. Yeah. That was his first signing ever, right? Yeah. That was Joe Douglas's first signing ever. As yeah, because he, he got signed, uh, in after the draft, after free agency. So yep. he had no other <laughs> yeah, I mean, signs I got off the street. <laughs> Starting from then, I mean, honestly, Alex was, was, was on his tail uh, from then. And, and the free agency signings has been pretty bad. Besides, I'll be honest with you, Quan well, Alexander. Got Ryan Griffin. <laughs> oh, Ryan Griffin, too. You're missing, you're missing a big uh, free agent signing. That I we don't want to talk year. about oh, DJ Reed. Of course, DJ Reed. Yeah, DJ Reed's uh, been fire. DJ not only has been huge, and he's stepping Thompson's up as a leader, huge. too. I love his ability. Yeah. Like, talking about D-Rose and accountability with the Knicks. Yes. We need accountability with this Jets team. And I feel like we're a lack, we're lacking it. And DJ Reed is bringing that to the table because he's been in winning organizations with Fact. Seattle and, and San Francisco. He knows when something's wrong. And as a Jets fan, hopeful that, okay, the issue is there's four new guys in the secondary and they need to learn each other's uh, communication skills, I guess, before they can really be on the same page. And hopefully, like Salah says, that will fix itself out as time progresses. But we're sitting here in week three, you have no idea if that's actually going to happen or not. I think that's a great comp, by the way. D Rose, uh, for, for DJ. That's, that's a fantastic comp. Yeah, but DJ that. Reed's younger, right? Yeah, he's, he's younger. Prime. Yeah, he's, he's younger, but it's still like, 
it's just you you've experienced winning you 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 understand like what it takes to get to the top and Derrick Rose has been there I mean he's been in playoff games so. and he makes Ahmed Garner better to be honest with you mm-hmm. he really yeah. he, he's making Sauce better and Sauce has been his own island this these first oh, uh, couple of games love it so good uh, shutting down Jamar Chase. And DJ Reed also has been in this system throughout his entire career. And he's been in this system where it works, where the communication is good and communication is key in the secondary. And he's been around. So he's very frustrated that the communication's not there because this team's too talented to the point where when that communication starts to click, then we're going to see this defense shine. And I really genuinely believe that. And it does start up front because the front seven is not getting to the quarterback as much as we want because that's the whole pinnacle of this entire solid defense. Yeah, so where 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 are your thoughts on on the deep? Uh, well, I guess just I mean we already know how we feel about the defense, but what's your whole feeling on this coaching staff so far? Because you know this past episode that we did for the rapid reaction, Greg thinks that Salah's on the hot seat. Where do you do you think Salah's on the hot seat? One and two. What, what do you think about the just overall coaching aspect right now? Because there was some stubbornness, right? There was some. Uh, of Cincinnati sucks against the cover two, but we didn't play cover two because that's just not what we run. Like, okay. Like, you, you, do you think that has anything to do with this, you know, whole solo hot seat? Obrick yeah, obviously mean, getting questions today. Listen, I feel like the seat is hot when you get hired as a Jets head coach. Like, it, it really, <laughs> no, like, the fair. second you're in the room, <laughs> I'm a Jets coach. You're no, hot, seriously, you're hot the, seat. There's, no, there's no room for error when you're the New York Jets head coach because we have a fan base that has grown accustomed to just negative stuff and losing. And we've grown tired of it. And we've seen Gase, we've so seen sad. Bowles, we've seen all these guys. So when we have that feeling of something going wrong, it just, we get our teeth out. We want to, you know, just, you know, bring our fangs out and attach to it that this is a negative thing. We want Salah gone. My biggest thing is, and I don't know if Salah is the guy yet. He has not proved me to the point where I can say with confidence that I believe that Robert Salah is the answer as the New York Jets head coach. But the one thing I will say is we are never going to build a sustainable winner with this team if we continuously have a carousel of head coaches every two years. You got to give time. And the biggest thing I have about Robert Salah and Joe Douglas' tenure together is their whole mantra has been that this team is not bought, it's built. And that's refreshing because guess what? That's how you build franchises properly. But the problem with that is it takes time. You got to be able to have these young players develop in order to see the full potential of this team. So that's why I'm giving Robert Sala and this regime three years um, unless something just catastrophic happens this season, whether it is win four games again and the defense is last, and maybe that's that's a different conversation. But I feel like they, the Jets need to give this regime at least three years because we can see what they can do with Zach Wilson for three years. He needs continuity. The last thing he needs is another coaching change. The last thing this defense needs is another whole coaching uh, coaching change. I know the other answer to that could be like, yeah, well, if he sucks and you just want to roll, you're just a waste of the season, you want to get it now. But I just feel like we need continuity here. And I hate to compare the Jets to this team because there are rivals and they're so good but like the buffalo bills did it perfectly by josh allen by having a familiar face by they were not good at first with sean mcdermott sean mcdermott is a great coach because he's been with the bills for five six years now and josh allen as a rookie was not good josh allen in year number two was not good and the bills as a team was struggling and what made josh allen and not only josh allen but that defense so good 
is continuity. You got all those guys in the secondary that's been in the same system, the same coaches, the same faces for five years now straight. And now they are going to go to the Super Bowl potentially. I know they're coming off a tough loss and they're banged up, all that stuff. But my point is you got to give this coaching staff time with these players that they're drafting to develop them. And it sucks because we're Jets fans and we we were sick of losing and we want to win right now. Like, what are you talking about? I got no patience. And I hear all that. But the unfortunate reality is, is this Jets team is never going to have sustainable success if we continuously fire up uh, a regime before it even has a chance to see the full potential because we are drafting players that draft class in um, Salah's first year with Zach and Elijah Moore and Michael Carter. They're in year two right now. I love that. You got to give them at least year three with that class before we can really see the full potential of this regime. But I will finish it off with this because we're in this season. Salah's got to get his shit together. He talked about the receipts, which I love because he's backing up his players. I know that it kind of feels like it's a shot at the media and the fans, which I didn't really take it that way. I kind of took it as like he's got his teams back and he's instilling confidence in his guys. And he needs to be um, holding his players accountable. That's my biggest gripe with Salah so far. That's my biggest criticism. It feels like he's becoming too much of a player's coach and he's not really that like, like the players aren't fearful of him. And I feel like we need a head coach that sparks fear in our guys sometimes. And that kind of like, you know, avoids them to make mistakes. So that's my biggest criticism with Robert Salah and uh, my overall take on the coaching staff. All right. I mean, so, I, I, that's why I keep saying like that we're still in a rebuilding phase with this team. Because you pointed out, Richie, like you, especially with the Bills and how long it took for them just to be where they are. And for football, it just takes talk about a team that's not bought. We've been doing that. We've been watching that for a very long time. If you've been a Jets fan, we we love to go spending in free agency, especially during the Tannenbaum area. Uh, even during Idzik, we were trying to spend too. <laughs> Whatever, even though it was frugal, you tried to go out and get some certain players. And it felt like the same way with McCagnin. Really, McCagnin. McCagnin was ready to to open up the pocketbook and and just go get everybody. Tremaine Johnson contract still haunts me to this day. But <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. On, I feel you on that. On giving this team more time. Do you think this team? What was your? Th- if you if you're from right now, where do you see this team going towards the end of the season? Like what what's the win expectation? Seven was it? Seven wins you got for this team? Well, this, this year, we haven't seen the full potential of this team yet because we haven't seen Zach Wilson. And Zach right. Wilson is like the most important piece on this entire team yes. because we don't know if he's anything. And we all know that we've been looking for a quarterback for our entire lives as Jets fans. <laughs> um, so this has been the, this is the guy. And if Zach Wilson comes out here and he plays like the second overall pick, then we're all, we're all going to be cheering. And that's really the most important piece here. I know there's a lot of other things to work on, uh, th- around the team, but. I feel like what I want to see from this Jets team is definitely a win total around seven. Um, also being competitive in November and competitive in December and in games where we're not looking at the draft. I do not want to do one mock draft on my channel <laughs> in December. If I hear one person ask me about it, I'm just not going to do it uh, simply because it just frustrates me that we're continuously looking ahead for the draft and not focusing on the season. That December would be crazy. a win. December yeah. would be a win, bro. It's usually, it's usually by now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, g- give us November l- competitive football in in Thanksgiving at that point. But rea- the reality is, Zach Wilson's coming back, and Joe Flacco it, he hasn't been great, but he's shown. I mean, he's top five in the league in passing yards. He's shown that this system works, and there's playmakers. And we do have an issue at left tackle, but we got playmakers, and the scheme works. And Zach Wilson got a chance to step back and watch Joe Flacco. He can watch the film. What went wrong? What went ro- what went right? 
And Zach Wilson has a chance to really elevate guys around him. And I think that's going to be the biggest um, difference with this team. Is Zach Wilson a guy that not only can play good football, but can he be a guy to elevate players, elevate Elijah Moore, elevate Conklin to another level? Like that's what great quarterbacks do. And we, we drafted him with the second overall pick. And there's no more babying Zach Wilson. It might be a little rough. It might be a little rust at first for this first couple of weeks against the Steelers and the Dolphins, but the baby wheels are off. You're in year number two. You got to make it. You got to make strides. I'm not asking for uh, a Herbert leap where you're like a top in the league right now. That's year three. I'm expecting him to take a jump in the right direction. Well, where see, Jets fans thing. have a smile on our face about Zach and not like frowning like shit. Here we go again. Yeah. I mean, I here's the thing. Like we, 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 we stole the win with Flacco, right? Versus the Browns. The, the New York Jets have been winning for a total of 22 seconds in the NFL. We're going into week four. <laughs> Right. So there's definitely that. We, we talked a lot about the defense. You mentioned really quick that, you know, Flacco's leading this, you know, the league in pass attempts. Okay. Like, or passing yards. Here, here's my, I actually have an issue with this. Like, I, I actually have a real gripe with this. Passing too much, not running the ball. Like, you know, with Joe Flacco, dude. Like, you know, you know what you have. You know more than us. That's what everybody keeps telling me. We see it in practice every day. You know. You know this guy doesn't give a damn about the pass rush. He has a four-step drop in his head, and he's launching. He does not give a damn. If you're there, you're there. If you're not, you're not. He does not care. And if he feels pressure, he's just going to toss it eight yards over the sideline or maybe drop it. You know, if he's uh, if you feel somebody behind you, he might throw it, you know, two yards short. He doesn't care because he's old, and he's been doing it for so long. <laughs> and honestly, he, it's just muscle memory at this point. Like, you know it. So why are you giving him 60 throws a game, dude, for three straight games? It makes no sense. And I, I'm not going to, like, nitpick. I'm not a Nick Pitt guy. I'm not like, oh, my goodness, you gave, you know, this is the Knicks episode, right? You gave Julius Randle, you know, 38 minutes and Obi Toppin 28. No, Obi Toppin needs 31. And No, I don't care, dude. It, it, I'm not nitpicky like that. But arguably your two best players – I mean, I know they fumbled, you know, and I know they're making drops. I know Michael Carter is not really pass protecting on third down. Like I'm with you on all that, but you got to run the ball more. You, 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 you can't, 100%. You, you can't win games like this. And going into the Steelers game, they suck against the run. They're absolutely trash against the run. And on the other side of that, Minka Fitzpatrick is going to intercept the ball. I don't care if it's Zach Wilson. I don't care if it's Joe Flacco. I don't care if it's Mike White. Make if it's Patrick is going to get an interception if you throw towards him. Is it concussion I, protocol? Let's hope he doesn't play. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did not know that. That would be, that would actually be a huge, uh, well, we'll get to that tomorrow when the, when the injury report and, comes out. And I out. couldn't, and I totally agree with you. The, the Jets are trying to run the ball. The biggest issue so far this season has been the defense giving up a touchdown the first drive every time where the Jets are playing from behind immediately. Like there's, like you said, the Jets have had how many seconds with the, with the lead? 22 seconds. <laughs> so like it's really so hard sad. to establish a run game when you're playing from behind as much as the, the Jets have been doing this year because that's what their blueprint is. They want to run the ball, and that's what their goal is. But unfortunately, the reality of the situation, the first three games, the defense has been trash and the offense has been playing catch-up. And there's no excuse for that, but it's just the reality of the situation where the, the Jets' defense needs to give this offense more opportunities to establish a run game because AVT is ranked as the highest-graded offensive guard in the run game. Max Mitchell's a dog in the run game so far as a rookie. Lincoln Tomlinson, as much of a bad he's been in the pass protection so far, he's a beast in the run game. So we we could run the football with Hall and Carter, but the problem is we're not giving him 
enough attempts. It's freaking yeah. me out. Brees Hall yeah. averages five yards per carry. It's seven carries in a game. Like, that's just ridiculous. So I'm right Crazy, there with dude. you, John. We got to give these two uh, playmakers in Brees Hall and Michael Carter a chance to really run the football. There should be 13 carries each or something like that. We need to run the ball at least 30 times. Facts. And like, if it wasn't for that George Fant hold, like, Brees Hall would be really on top with average per per carry. Like that was like a, another twenty five yarder. He would really be up there. I, I think small things like that really make a huge difference in terms of the stats. And I, I don't know. I, give the, feed, feed the kids, man. And I, I, I want to get this last question into you here because we, we I'm not going to ask you too much about this upcoming Steelers game. Obviously, we don't even know who our quarterback's going to be. We don't know who's going to be out there for the Steelers. But let me ask you this: like a little projection here. The next, we there's five weeks till the NFL trade deadline. We're one and two. We're going into Pittsburgh. We got Miami at home. We're going to Green Bay. They are coming out of London, though, no buy. I think that's a big deal. Then we're going to Denver, and we got the Pats at home. Like, forget the fact that it's, Miami are hot. We have not won a division game in two years, all right? So we have both of those, plus we have arguably the three hardest away games in the league, like three out of the top five, right? Steelers, Green Bay, Denver. Uh, one, how do you think that's going to go? But two, and I know he's your boy, right? I know Corey Davis is your guy. He, sh- he shouted out uh, Jets that Media. My boy. I'm just saying he shouted out Jets Media, right, <laughs> on the YouTube, right? Ch- check out Richie's there literally every day. The All-22 is one of my favorite episodes going on during the week. The stock market, stock up, stock down, is absolutely fire, too. And he also watches the games with you guys. So uh, check it all out there. But one, I want to know what you think is going to go on though, these next five weeks. But also, Corey Davis, man. If we trade Corey Davis within the next five weeks, we save 13 mil on this cap this year and 13 mil on the cap next year, which we're going to cut him anyway, in my opinion, before next year and save that 13 million. But if we cut him in five weeks, it might give more chances to the kids. Uh, it, I guess it just depends. So one, how do you think these next five weeks are going to go? And I guess it just sort of follow up. Do you think... Corey Davis is going to make it out with this team all the way to the year. Do you think it, it kind of makes sense to just sort of cut the bait? Because he, he yeah. kind of made, I, I know he made the big touchdown for, uh, versus the Browns, but he's made a lot of mistakes, man. And Elijah Moore, he, I love Elijah Moore, but I don't love him as much as Alex does. And I'm telling you, when I rewatched that game, he was open. And when I, like, I noticed it a couple times when I was there. That's why I was like, I'm going to, I like noted it in my phone. He was open a lot, dude. Oh, yeah. Frustrating. I'm a big Elijah Moore guy, too. He's Let's my go. RJ Barrett. Um, <laughs> yeah. Eight so, and nine, baby. Eight and nine. It's all about eight and nine. <laughs> so, eight and nine. You already know it. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, first first of all, the, the five game. Well, Corey Davis, I'll start with that. The, the only thing why I can see the, the Jets trading away Corey Davis because there's interest around the league, according to Rich Tamini. But my biggest thing is, do you have confidence in Denzel Mims? Because Denzel Mims would replace Corey Davis in that position because he's our, Corey Davis is our only player on this team that has, you know, size and, you know, six foot three. He plays that prototypical outside receiver role. So if Corey Davis gets traded, Denzel Mims will be activated and be in his role. It's not like they're going to just elevate the guys because this is a four wide receiver system. You need to have, you know, the X, the Y, the Z. You need to have Berrios in there as the gadget guy, having Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and that prototypical outside receiver in Corey Davis. 
The one thing why I would not want to give up on Corey Davis, even though he does have a lot of issues and there's things he needs to clean up on with the bonehead of mistakes, is I, I just don't like the feeling of taking away playmakers from our young quarterback and Zach Wilson because this whole season is about Zach Wilson and we haven't even seen it yet, which is why that Browns victory didn't even feel as good to me because I'm like, wait, Zach didn't do that. Like, where's Zach at? We need Zach back. <laughs> so like... It just it just worries me that if the Jets trade away Corey Davis and then all of a sudden we're banged up at, at wide receiver and then we don't have depth there, it kind of scares me because Corey Davis is reliable for Zach Wilson early last year. He re- he was not perfect. He had a lot of drops. I'm not defending him there. But my, my biggest gripe on that would be like taking playmakers away from your young quarterback when we're trying to see what Zach Wilson is. And when it comes to the five games heading into the bye, you know, listen, it, it's going to be tough. And you, you said that we're getting a break with Green Bay going to London. Guess where we're not getting a break? The Steelers, they play Thursday night football, so they have 10 days to prepare. Guess who plays Thursday night football this week? The Dolphins. And we're versing the Dolphins the week after, so I don't know why the NFL hates us. They gave them back-to-back weeks where they have 10 days to prepare. Um, So whatever. Uh, but the Jets, they have, you have a good, I know you don't want to talk about the Steelers too much, but that's a beatable team, man. If we can get two and two with with Zach Wilson back. You think? You think we can do it? The reason why I feel like we can is because this defense has a chance to get back on track. I mean, this offense is so bad with the Steelers. And if we lose to Mitch Trubisky, Rich, I'm going to lose my mind. That's this defense like, showed. This is the whole thing, dude. If, don't, if we give up yards to Mitch <laughs> Trubisky, like, like that's forget, it. That's my last straw. As dude. bad as his defense has been, the defense was the only bright spot in week one against that's Lamar fact. Jackson in yes. the Ravens. They were the only bright spot. The offense sucked. The special kicker teams sucked that game. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. now the kicker is like the best kicker in the league, by the way. <laughs> and the best punter in the league. Because the league. kick and the, and the first down. Oh, my God. But listen, yeah. it, I think the Steelers game is going to be interesting. But, you know, the, the schedule gets tough. The Dolphins, can we have to win at least one of those three divisional games before the bye. Because we have three division games before the bye all at home. All of them are at home. So yeah, I, you got to beat <laughs> one of those three one of those three teams, lose to the Bills, I get that. Beat the Dolphins or the Patriots um and steal one on the road against the Denver Broncos or the Green Bay Packers. We beat teams we're not supposed to before. We weren't supposed to beat the Browns, we weren't supposed to beat the Titans last year, we weren't supposed to beat the Bengals last year. The Jets had the ability to pull off upsets and I feel like Zach Wilson can get the job done um if he really just checks in mentally. I think that's really where it really comes down to. So best case scenario is obviously four and five by the bye week. But if we're three and six, I'm not going to think it's the end of the world because the schedule gets a little easier in the back end of the season. And if we can get three and six um, heading into the bye, that's not what you want to see on paper. I, I would prefer four and five, but um, we'll see, man. We'll see. One game it's at a time. So I'm, I'm Richie's got me back two. on track and hype for this weekend against the Steelers. Let's go. I'm, I'm down with two and two. I mean, listen, the Steelers are, I know it doesn't sound right, but the Steelers are literally the worst team against the run. And we have, in my opinion, one of the best running backs in the, two of the best running backs in the league. So top five duo. Yeah. And that's, that's what I've been asking for the, on, on all these just pause. It's that we just got to run the ball. And even if it's, if, if they're, even when we get down by a, a touchdown, we could still run the ball. But yet we still just like to go pass happy and it just makes no sense with Flacco. So, Flacco. hey man, it's. We're going to go into Pittsburgh and be Mike Tomlin. Flacco. Dude, I mean. That's it's the a one concern I have is Mike Tomlin. I mean, I think he's yeah. one of the most underrated coaches of all time. I mean, this guy I doesn't legit, have a losing record. I legit think he's being sarcastic today. Did you hear him? He's talking about how, how, how good our safeties are. 
Like, I, I legit think he's being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. like, like, that's all, it's like, I don't know. He's playing with I'm us, so man. He's him. playing I'm with so us. It's, it's, he's playing it's, games. Like, <laughs> I won't say the Patriots head coach, but it's like kind of like those Jedi mind trick games where he's like complimenting. He's like, oh, God, I can't deal with this right oh, now. I'm now I know, my I, safeties are good. We know they suck. Leave me alone, dude. Just, yeah. <laughs> Our coaching yeah. staff has a big test going up against the Steelers coaching staff because, you know, coaching wins games. And yeah. it feels like the Jets have been outcoached a little bit this this year. For three straight games. easy for them to get outcoached. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be very three easy. Three straight games we've been outcoached. Yeah. I mean, the uh, last comment here, DJ Reed was trying to tackle Nick Chubb. I know we're all yelling about Nick Chubb because it's easier to say, oh, you should have just fell down. You go back and watch it. DJ Reed tried really hard to tackle him and he started beating himself up after that play because how mad he was that he couldn't tackle. So yeah, I don't think we, I think we kind of lucked into that. I don't think we, shout out, anyone. shout out Miles Austin. He knew. Miles Austin knew. <laughs> he knew. You're right. He's You're like, right. that's our only chance. <laughs> oh man. And on that note, Richie, thank you so much for coming on and talking Knicks and Jets with us. We know we kept you a little long, but please let our listeners know uh, where they can find you. <laughs> yeah, man. You, you guys can follow me over on Twitter, Instagram at NY Jets Media or NY Knicks Media. Same on uh, YouTube. Uh, just been posting daily content for the Jets. Go live for every game, do recaps, have call-in shows. And the Knicks, I'm really excited to get things kicking off on Knicks Media again. Um, I think this is my third year covering the Knicks on Knicks Media, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, uh, you guys have a great podcast Been listening to you guys all the time. I'll continue the great work and let's hope that these two teams can uh, make us happy this year because uh, I need that. That win against the Browns brought me in a, a feeling that like I never oh, had yeah, before man. and it was just one win. Don't like, change. Imagine Richie. if we win, win. If, 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 you, if you guys haven't seen the clip, uh, yeah, go check guys, out, uh, Richie's uh, Twitter. He, he posted it recently uh, of, oh, of, of his reaction, which I, I'm telling you, like, uh, uh, I told him off the air because I, I do listen to his YouTube. I, I'm always in there, uh, you know, moderating a little bit, cleaning up some some crazy comments <laughs> that, that you know that, that he listens. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, as soon like after that game, obviously, as soon as the hoopla died down, and, like I got back, you know, behind my laptop to you know just to see what's up and start consuming stuff. The first thing I did was like, yo, I I knew Richie was live for this. I gotta see what Richie reacted. Turns out that NFL Films, they had a little segment on you as well. Uh, so it's classic, man. Definitely check out Richie's reaction videos. Uh, the All-22, like I said, one of my favorite uh, episodes uh, during the week. You're starting the mojo, stock up, stock down. So that stuff is cool, too. Nice place to just yell about stuff. Uh, <laughs> we were yelling about CJ Mosley a little bit today. That felt good because, you know, I feel like I'm on an island here. Gre- Greg's been yelling about CJ Mosley for three years. But I feel like I- I- I've officially joined him. And I, I still feel like uh, we're isolated here. So uh, those Man. are much cool episodes. Definitely Richie, check out. Richie, uh, was definitely the, Richie was definitely the first person I went to go see the reaction because I know Richie's got some of the greatest reactions, man, to watching games. <laughs> like he legit just, I don't know. I like, he, he legit gave me, like, that's how I felt watching the game too. I was like, yes, thank you. This is exactly what I needed to see right now. <laughs> yeah, man. It's a, it's a crazy experience. The emotions are just raw and oh, they're good yeah. and they're Adrenaline bad. rushing, man. When they're bad, they're bad. When they're good, they're good, man. <laughs> oh, Don't go back and watch my reaction to last game. I'm sitting there just Michael drops back to pass. And yeah, the all twenty two <laughs> the all twenty two will be fun for uh, Yeah. Tomorrow for morning, baby. It'll be great. But Richie, thank you for coming on, man. Really appreciate appreciate your work. Appreciate everything appreciate you do you out there for 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 Knicks, for Jets, for the Mets. 
for everything. Kind of for the Mets. We don't really appreciate it. So eh, look, we don't, we're not gonna lie. We're, 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 right. uh, Greg's not more. talking. I'm speaking for Greg more. So. Jets next gets more more energy into content anyway. So. <laughs> but thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. You all know what to do. Please make sure to subscribe. We're on all audio listening platforms: Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, all these decisions. You name it, we are there. Please make sure to give us that five star rating on Apple and Spotify. And also, please make sure to leave a review or comment if you listen to us on Apple. We're also partnered with Minute Media and Fanside, and you can find this podcast on the Daily Knicks and the Jet Press. And if you haven't figured out, we got a YouTube channel too. So make sure go over there, subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. Just type in Knicks comment, Jets comment, ETC, period. When we watch a video, hit the like button, leave a comment, add to the conversation. We want to know your thoughts and opinions. We also got another podcast over there, Winning Picks Weekly. John, video producer Greg, and our guy and co-host Chip Murphy. These guys go through every sport. If you like sports betting, putting money down on the line, these guys got you covered. And then last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We are there. Catch you later this week for another Jets episode. All right, everyone. We out. Pitch strikes a judge, you cowards.